0: Before we get started, a quick message on how to protect your family. We all know the next big one is coming. They're masking everybody up and they just approved the new vaccines, testing them only on 20 mice. Yes, it's a joke, literally. The medical establishment is not to be trusted until things change. So how do you protect your family? If you go to twchealth CDM, you can see their new emergency medical kit. It has a group of medications that will protect your family in most emergencies medically. Anything from a tick bite to the new COVID to bubonic plague and other things like that. So go to twc.health forward slash CDM, use promo code CDM, and you'll get a 10% discount. The kit basically covers one adult, so you may need to buy more. twc.health forward slash CDM. Thank you. Welcome back to War Stories. We have a special treat for you on this episode. We have Frank De Verona. He is a veteran of the Bay of Pigs invasion. And uh, he's got quite a story to tell. Welcome to the show, Frank.
1: Thank you, Todd. Thank you for inviting me.
0: So um, you were involved in the invasion and then you were imprisoned afterwards. I, talk to us about what happened in the beginning. How did how did the invasion happen? Why did it happen? Um, how was the US government involved?
1: Well, first of all, let me just tell you quickly how communism entered Cuba. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll move to the Bay of Pigs. Okay. Unfortunately, um, The State Department uh, under Dwight D. Eisenhower had two globalists that were communists uh, Mm -hmm. on the first floor in the State Department. Uh, One was in charge of what was called the the, uh, Caribbean Desk, which included uh, Mexico, uh, Central America, and all the countries in the Caribbean, like Cuba. Mm -hmm. His name was William Wyland. And he reported to another communist, who was Roy Roboton, who was Assistant Secretary of Inter-American Affairs. Uh, And uh, these two people wanted Castro to come to power, even though there were four United States ambassadors that sent cable after cable to them saying, do not allow the the 26th of July movement to take power in Cuba, because Castro is a communist, Fidel Castro, his brother Raul is a communist, Mm Camilo Cienfuegos, Che Guevara, and they will be an enemy of the United States and certainly an enemy of the Cuban people. But these two communists wanted him to take power. So they mm-hmm. ignored that. The um, three of those ambassadors have served in Cuba. One, um, Sproul Braden serving Cuba in, in the 19, in, uh, 1940s during mm-hmm. World War II. And later he became Assistant Secretary of Inter-American Affairs, where he always kept in touch with Cuba. And he knew Castro was a communist. The, oh. other, the other two ambassadors with Cuba, was, one was called Arthur Gardner, He was there from 1953 to 1957. And another ambassador that came after that was Earl uh, Earl T. Smith, who wrote actually a book called The Fourth Floor. Uh, And he was uh, the ambassador of Cuba from 1957 to 1959. And then there was another ambassador named uh, by Eisenhower, uh, Philip Bonsall, who was a leftist guy, who was the ambassador of Bolivia. And he was transferred to Cuba thinking that because he was leftist, he will get mm-hmm. along with Fidel Castro, but sadly, and by the way, I use a book that was written by the State Department, a 24, 2,400-page book mm-hmm. that told everything that happened in Cuba during the those two years that were so crucial. And one of the saddest things that I read in in that book was that Ambassador Philip Bonsell found out that an American by the name of, like the pirate Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fought with Castro in the Cambray Mountains, Che Guevara and Camilo Cienfuegos in the Cambray Mountains, and he becomes a major that was the highest rank in the army. But he was an American patriot, and he found out that Castro was a communist. He made a terrible mistake with helping, me, helping him take power in Cuba, because mm-hmm. it would be a terrible enemy for America and certainly for the Cuban people. That man, by the way, married a Cuban woman who's still alive in her 80s, And she lives in the United States. Hmm. But but, uh, he was planning to assassinate Castro with many Cubans. It was the U.S. ambassador, Philip Bonsall who told Fidel Castro, William Morgan, and a bunch of Cubans, I'm trying to assassinate you. A U.S. ambassador did that. Unbelievable. And that is in a book. It's an official book of the U.S. State Department. I've written uh, two books on the Bay of Pigs. One that you can get at, at Amazon for $25 called... Cuba, the Bay of Peaks, the Kenya assassination, the Vatican and the New World Order, 400 pages long.
0: But anyway, mm-hmm.
1: so that's how it, it came there. And uh, the way they got rid of Batista was uh, the, uh, there was an arms embargo declared on him in March of 1958. Uh, the Batista army was very corrupt. Uh, they were being paid money not to fight, but that was like the final, uh, you know, the final thing. Yeah. Uh, Arms embargo. Batista had purchased weapons in the United States. They declared Eisenhower the administration declared an arms embargo, and that demoralized completely. And then Batista was told to leave. Now, sadly, there was a uh, if they want, if the State Department or the globalists in the United States wanted a, a a good ending for Cuba, we had an election in Cuba in November of 1958, where we had uh, a very popular guy who wrote the, the 1948 constitution, an anti-Batista politician, uh, Carlos Marquez Stelling was his name, and if the United States had, had good wishes for Cuba, it would have ordered Batista, let that guy win the election in November mm. 58, had he won, then Castro had to come down from the mountain, because no longer Batista was in power, and he would be just another politician. Yeah. So they, they wanted really Castro to come to power, and even... After Castro came to power in November of 1960, Arthur Gardner and Earl T. Smith testified to the U.S. Intelligence Committee once Castro was in power, and they asked how did Castro come to power, and both of them said because of the U.S. State Department and the press. That was very favorable to Castro, no? we Again, still have
0: the We still have the same problems today.
1: Oh, yeah, even worse today. Yeah, the state yeah. department continues to be full of globalists and communists, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. We have the identical problems that uh, it reminds me so much what's happening in Cuba, you know, in 59, what's mm-hmm. happening in America today is absolutely yeah. terrible. Well, anyway, yeah. that's how he came to power. Mm-hmm. Now, even though... Uh, oh, and one more thing that the uh, ambassador, uh, uh, Ertis, uh, Ertis uh, Smith, said he, said, he said in 1960 to the Senate Intelligence Committee, The CIA station chief in my embassy in Havana was working to put Castro in power. I was the US consul in Santiago de Cuba. Those two diplomats in America were were diplomats, CIA and consul general, were trying to get Castro to come to power. Well, once he's in power, now Eisenhower decides to do regime change in Cuba. So in March of 1960, he begins training some of us uh, in guerrilla warfare and as time went on, they just changed the plans, and they brought a a, a colonel uh, who f- who was uh, did the Inchon landing for MacArthur during war during the Korean War. He was an expert on amphibious landing. So that uh, Marine colonel uh, helped the CIA to to do the planning. And we were supposed to land in Trinidad, which was mm-hmm. a city about tw- maybe twenty seven thousand. Where
0: where were you training for the?
1: In uh, Guatemala, we oh, trained in okay. Guatemala. Okay. But the plan was to invade. This is the original plan done by the approved by the Joint Chief of Staff and the CIA and mm-hmm. this Marine Colonel who, uh, who was an expert on amphibious landing. Trinidad is a city that's far away from Havana, right next to the Scambrai Mountains, where there were already anti-communist uh, people fighting. Uh, and we were supplying them by air uh, mm-hmm. from, from uh, Nicaragua, where we had our 16 B-26s there. And sending them guns and weapons and so forth. And Trinidad also had piers. We had very obsolete ships, mm-hmm. uh, except for the five tanks, you know, that we had and a, a few trucks with fifty uh, caliber machine guns. Those had the proper landing equipment, like in, like in Normandy, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, you see movies. Yeah. Uh, but for us, the, the rest of us, we were on these obsolete World War II ships, Liberty type, and. Uh, it was horrible, those ships. I mean, we, and then there were floating bombs because uh, we could not smoke from, we left from Puerto Cabezas, Nicaragua to the Bay of Peaks and we uh, could not smoke at all because the uh, the deck of the ship, there were 55 uh, gallon tanks of gasoline and, and, uh, and oil for the B 26s that, that mm-hmm. were supposed to be. Like, and, and, we, and then, imagine, there were floating bombs. Yeah. Uh, and the planned uh,
0: Very expl- very incendiary.
1: Exactly. Yeah. We couldn't yeah. smoke for, for, the, yeah. for those days that we were there. And also, there were five airstrikes planned prior to D Day. D Day was April 17, 1961. I was 17 years old at the time. My brother was in a different battalion. He was 19. I had a, a, another cousin, 18, in another ship. I had a lot of relatives of mine and friends from Cuba that we, we all volunteer to try to get rid of Castro uh, And anyway so the uh, when the those five airstrikes were supposed to destroy Castro's Air Force first was the surprise air attack on April the 15th hitting all the u2s would we'll tell the, uh, the Americans here where Castro's planes were there. And then we were, uh, our 16 B-26s will bomb all airfields in Cuba, whatever had has to cast. Castro had some jets, T-33 jets, he had Sea Fury mm-hmm. from World War II, and he had B-26s. So the idea was, and in a surprise attack, we will wipe out all of the aviation. And then this, in the afternoon, those planes will go back, began bombing uh, the refineries in Cuba, so there will be no oil to move the Castro's tank. He had a lot of tanks given by, by the Soviet Union as Stanley tanks of World War II, heavy tanks, a mm-hmm. lot of artillery, but we had them all pile up in Havana. So they were very mm-hmm. easy to destroy them all. In the afternoon attack of the 15th, then two more attacks on April the 16th, morning and afternoon, and on d day, that will be the fifth attack. So with those attacks, we, by the time we landed, Castro will have no tanks, no, no gasoline, Uh, maybe blow some bridges if necessary. And there were only two roads that led from Trinidad to Havana, and those could be easily blocked. Plus, there was an airport uh, in Trinidad where we could put our air force. And the idea was to bring a government in exile that we had in Miami to come to Cuba and say, we're now the government in arms in Cuba, and now we're going to ask help from the OAS, from the United States, uh, from Cuba. And then we had a defensible beachhead And we could stay there forever, maybe get more Cubans from from the United States to join us there. And we brought enough weapons for 15,000 soldiers in our ships. So that was the plan. Sadly, the president uh, made a terrible mistake, President Kennedy, and he said, no, 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 I don't want them to invade Trinidad. There are civilians there, they might get killed. And then he gave the CIA, after months and months of planning with the Joint Chief of Staff, changed the site, gave the CIA uh, three days, gave him find another place. And the CIA mm. went to the Bay of Pigs. There's no infrastructure there, no peers. It was impossible for us to win there, In total, mm-hmm. impossible. He made all the mistakes, as bad as that one. And that was the first airstrike, he reduced from 16 planes to eight planes. So that left Castro with seven planes intact. And then Adelaide Stevenson had not been told by the State Department, Dean Rusk, that uh, there was an invasion being planned to Cuba. How could you keep in the dark the U.S. ambassador of the United Nations? So the Cuban foreign minister, Raul Roa, began saying the United States is invading Cuba, violating the charter of the United Nations, the OAS charter. And then Stevenson said, all those planes, one, one of our planes as a cover story landing in Miami and gave the stupid story. That They just defected, and on the way out, they drew some bombs, except the B-26s in Cuba were completely different from our B-26s.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, it, ours had eight machine guns on the nose of the planes, while the ones in Cuba had them on the, uh, on the wings of the plane. Totally different. And right away, the U.S. press says, no, no. <laughs> and besides, all of the newspapers in the United States, the New York Times, the Miami Herald, were saying they are... Troops being trained in Guatemala that are about to invade Cuba. In fact, uh, the New York Times wrote an article explaining all of that, like a month before our invasion. The um, uh, Pierre Salinger, who was the uh, press secretary of President Kennedy, tells, tells the Kennedy, Look, look what the New York Times has written, in front page.
0: Mm-hmm. And Kennedy
1: reads it and says, Castro doesn't need any spies in the United States. All he needs to do is read the New York Times. Yeah. So, so, what possible my ability. I mean, everybody knew that the invasion was coming. Everyone, uh, written in, in 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 papers here, the nation, the leftist uh, magazine where he has talked talked about it. All the newspapers were saying. So it so was an open secret. So so why uh, try to to fool anybody that the United States has giving us the weapons and so forth? Yeah. But Anyway, so when we got there uh, at the Bay of Pigs, uh, I was on a ship called the Houston uh i arrived very late uh to, to train the training camps i arrived april 1st it was easter sunday 1961 and i was assigned to the fifth battalion and we were paired with the second battalion who had more experience they have been longer at the camp uh we were like all people were like me that just recently arrived although i could shoot very well because i i used to shoot a lot in my father's ranch in cuba i mm. went or order- for summer camps in the United States where I shot a lot. And then I went to a Naval Academy in the United States called Admiral Farragut, where I also shot there. So I was a very good shot. I wrote my parents a letter from the training camps and I said, any enemy soldier at 300 yards is a dead soldier. That was very how,
0: how many of you were in the camps?
1: Uh, we were about 1,500 hmm. in the camp. And of course, uh, I knew there we were very little people there and there were over 200,000 soldiers in Cuba. So one time I asked one of our, uh, our uh, special forces that were training us, I said to him, there are only 1,500 of us. There are 200,000 over there, how can we win? He says, no, 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 you're only about 10% of us going to hit Cuba. And then another time uh, I asked another question, how can I protect myself from enemy planes? How, how do I dig a trench to protect myself? He said, no, no. There were so there will be so many planes over Cuba there will be a launch child over there you don't have to worry about any enemy's plane hmm. and also the art planes have been painted the same the same colors as the FAR Fuerza Air Revolucionaria from Castro to confuse the enemy no so any plane you see will be ours so when we arrive uh, oh another, another terrible mistake happened uh, in Puerto Cabezas they gave us in our obsolete ships a, a, a tiny little uh, outboard motor, Evinrude motor, uh, for nine people, and they were they mix the gasoline and the oil incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And the CIA guy that was with us, a hero that was there with us at the Bay of Pigs all the time, is now buried with us as well in Miami together with his wife. Uh, anyway, he saw that said that motor is going to stall. You're mixing the uh, oil and the gasoline incorrectly which leads me to believe maybe everything was planned so they would be defeated, including that, you know. Yeah. So anyway, they kicked them out of there and and, and he could not fix uh, the way they were mixing the... But when we arrived there uh, ar- around maybe 1 a.m. Uh, uh, April 17, 1961, uh, we were going to invade in a place called Playa Larga. The second battalion was going to land first and then us afterwards. Well, you can imagine we got there. First of all, you never invade at night because you get confused. Mm -hmm. You always always invade uh, when you have a little bit of light. That was another mistake. CIA said there were no enemies in the area and there were soldiers in Playa Larga, Playa Girón, a lot of soldiers. He also said there's no way to communicate from the Bay of Peaks to Havana. There was a a radio station there that told Castro, who knew he was going to be invaded because we, we, we bombed three airfields. Yeah. two days before. So he had all his troops ready to go because he knew the invasion was imminent. So anyway, so he was he was waiting for us, had all the troops ready to, to attack us. And, and he had 225,000 soldiers between the, yes. the army and the militias of Cuba. So anyway, so when we got there, uh, we have great difficulty uh, getting those uh, little boats to, to, to start the motors. Some, uh, the motor wouldn't start. The CIA had another wrong estimate that the beaches had sandy beaches. No, there were no sandy beaches. There were big reefs. So some of the little boats got there and they sank. They hit they hit one of those uh, uh, reef and they sank. So when morning came, one squad from the second uh, battalion was on board the Houston and my entire battalion, the fifth battalion were there. We had no ships to land because mm-hmm. all the ships were gone. I mean, all the little boats to, to get us out. And of course, throughout the night, they were shooting at us from uh, with 50 uh, color machine guns. They were shooting at us from Playa Larga. Uh, we had a support ship that had a lot of uh, machine guns. So the whole night I watched the, uh, the uh, our ship had two, uh, only had two machine guns, and our 50 our color machine guns were shooting at Playa Larga, and also support ship that we had, the Barbara Jota. They were also shooting. Uh, so the whole night I spent there just watching. Uh, the fire, you know, the, with the tracers, the illuminated tracers, mm-hmm. watching all that all night, re- getting ready to uh, to land. When morning came, we saw a B-26 that had the colors, F-A-R, you know, Fuerza Era Revolucionaria. So we thought it was one of ours. And we were all on, on the deck of the ship, bravo, bravo, he's one of our, one of our planes are here. And then he began shooting at us, mm. with machine guns. But well, that was the many attacks that, that we had that morning we had the t-33 jets attacking us they would come from behind the sun so we couldn't even see them when they came we, when they, when we when we heard them their bullets were already uh, shooting some of our people on board the ship and finally a sea fury uh, threw a rocket thank god it didn't explode otherwise i wouldn't be here to with you today we, because my my brother's ship the Riocondido after he landed, was hit by, by a sea Fury and blew up like an atomic bomb because mm-hmm. they were throwing bombs. You know, they, they, we, we had so much uh, ammunition Steel. below the, yeah. and the, uh, on the on the decks, we had this uh, 50, 55 gallons of, of oil and gas. So the Rio Escondido where my brother already landed, blew up like an atomic bomb. And then uh, our ship began to sink, then God, it didn't explode. There was a minor fire and, and some of us were able to, uh, uh, to throw water there. And our captain uh, took the ship as, as, as close to the shore as possible, but it was like maybe about a mile or, or at least a mm-hmm. kilometer or a mile Four. from shore. And then I had to uh, swim ashore uh, with the others. Some of us didn't make it, were eaten by sharks or they drowned. There was not a single lifesaver aboard the ship, not even one. But I was a good swimmer. I swam in national competitions in Cuba. I could float even though I was very tired because I ate a Spam uh, in, a, in, a, before, uh, in Guatemala in a, on a hill and it was contaminated. So I vomited and I was really very sick the last two or three days there. And I didn't eat anything for three days as well. I hadn't eaten like in six days uh, because I couldn't eat uh, pork and beans that, that was what they gave us to eat. And my stomach was really in bad shape. So, but I could swim, I could float so I didn't drown. I, I saw a shark, uh, thank God it didn't attack me, but I, I looked in the water. Oh, the water was very clear. You, you could see all the way down, like maybe 30, 40 feet. Uh, the, 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 there was a very clear water and you could actually look down and, and look mm-hmm. around. And uh, well, I we are, I'm finally made a swim in there and uh, the, other, the the rest of the, uh, the brigade was able to land uh, in Playa Giron and also in Playa Larga Uh, but they only landed with whatever weapons they had when they took, because all of our ships uh, left quickly because they were being chased by enemy planes. And they they didn't want to, what happened to to my own ship, they used to, So they left, they never came back. So uh, uh, those of us, about 1400 of us were landed, not everybody landed. And those that landed only brought the initial weapons that they had. So after three days, there were no, no more weapons. I did have a cousin he was 19 years old aboard uh, on b26 that he was able to help the defenders of playa larga because there were thousands of troops coming down to playa larga this is a swampy area so they have to come like the chinese in korea you know mm-hmm. in, in, that road. and um, so my cousin in his plane uh, he was able mm-hmm. to go down and drop 500 uh, pounds of napal bombs the a-machine guns uh, and I had the colors of the uh, of them, so he was able to to get there with no opposition. And uh, my cousin and other plane killed 1,000 enemy soldiers. They called yeah. that lost battalion. There were 33, 39 militias from uh, from Cier Fuegos. I think it was called that battalion. All of them actually were killed. And uh, and there was a big battle there that the night of uh, of 17 there. We uh, we only had a. Uh, five medium-sized tanks, but they fought very bravely against the bigger tanks, the Stanley tanks that they threw there. But anyway, uh, after three days, there was no more ammunition. And of course we were on the other side, we, you know, we were, on the, and we tried to, to unite with the second battalion, just walking. But by that time, the enemy had gone around Playa Larga and very few of us had weapons. So our battalion commander said, there's no way we can join them there. So we just went back in front of the ship And the very last uh, fighting was done by our battalion because on Wednesday, everything was over in Playa Larga and Playa Girón. And we were on the other side of the Bay of Peaks and then sitting in front of our ship that sank partially, didn't go all the way down, partially sunk. And then two two tiny ships from uh, militia, from the Castro government, came to explore. And they landed and we opened fire and we killed a few of them. So the very last skimmer, you were say, was on by our battalion, the three of us that had, uh, that had rifles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after that, we were told, try to escape. I hadn't eaten, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. two, like a week I hadn't eaten before. I, I had no food at all for six days,
0: week, no I water.
1: Guess. So yes. by the time I was captured, I actually was safe because I couldn't talk. My tongue was, I hadn't dr- drank, I hadn't drink any, any uh, water. For six days, and uh, I hardly could talk anymore, and I was actually under the tree there, dying, when I was captured. Of course, they gave me water, and that saved my life. Mm. So, so that's uh, my part. And then so, uh, my brother was uh, on the sixth battalion. He was a forward observer. He he directed fire, you know, uh, from the uh, four-point-two mortars that we had, and they had uh, they had uh, cannons. Uh, they would shoot us from far away, and we couldn't even get them. So, yeah. and, uh, and they put, I don't know, maybe 40, 50,000 soldiers there uh, quickly, you know, in, in those three days that we were there. Now we were all captured. And then uh, they call us mercenaries. They, they, we, of course, were prisoners of war. They never respected the Geneva Convention. And uh, we were in prison there. At the beginning, they were going to exchange us for tractors. Tractors were worth like four or $5 million. And they mm-hmm. had a committee called the Tractors Committee, made of Eleanor Roosevelt. Walter Rooster from the United Auto Workers and Milton Eisenhower. When I saw these three names, I said, oh My God, we're out. The brother of a president, the widow of a president, a union, we're out. But unfortunately, it was the United States that broke the negotiation. It wasn't Castro. He would have traded us for, for those tractors worth maybe 4 or $5 million. But the, the negotiations failed and they would just wait there but maybe we'll be here forever. About a, a year after being in prison, they took us to a trial where they sentenced all of us to 30 years of hard labor or a ransom of money. And my father was rich in Cuba, we was, he was a cattleman. So the officers of the brigade and people who were formerly rich because they had taken all of our property, we yeah. were as poor as any poor. But my crime, my brother and I crime was that we used to be rich. That was the crime. Uh, so they sent the us to $100,000 each. This is 1962 to money, which is like a million dollars today. The three leaders of the brigade, they were worth half a million each. And the ones that they said they were middle class, they were worth 50,000 each. And the lumpen proletariat or the working classes, they were worth $25,000. They were about 1,176 prisoners. And then they took, uh, the. My group, 100,000 and the three leaders of the brigade, they took us out of the Castillo del Principe uh, in Havana to the Alpine. While we were in the Castillo del Principe we were drinking water that had dead rats in the water. Mm. And that provoked a tremendous epidemic of dysentery, which I got it, and hepatitis, which I also got that too. Mm. And uh, many people got sick with hepatitis, dysentery, we boiled the water still, we, we couldn't uh, clean the water. And uh, my parents, who were poor in Miami, uh, they fo- saw my name in the area Las Americas in Miami that I was among the people that had hepatitis in, in the infirmary of the de Principe. They spend uh, the Christmas time, whatever little money they had buying what was then, what the, the way you treated hepatitis back then, which was glucose and gamma globulina, whatever, something like that. They purchased all of that, send it to us, so we we'll would be treated, there was no medicine, and the government confiscated all the medicine and we got nothing. Mm. So that's, that's that. So then I was still ill when they transferred me to the Alopines. They put us in a tiny little room, maybe for 40 people in the room, 214 of us sleeping on the floor like sardines in a can, and uh, one toilet for 214 mm. people. Mm-hmm. And two showers that they would open maybe 10 minutes a day at, the, at different times. So even you run there, try to get some, some water on you. And maybe a third of us got there, maybe less. And we had no soap, no toilet paper, no toothpaste, no visit, nothing for seven months. Wow. Uh, I, I lost 60 pounds. I, could, I, was, I couldn't eat what they were feeding us. Sometimes they would poison the food deliberately. And the 214 of us who have diarrhea at the same time with one toilet, diarrhea everywhere. And then when you went to the toilet, uh, there were 40 people in front of you to go to the toilet. If you went at 2 a.m. in the morning, there might be 10 people there. So uh, it was, uh, I was in hell. I already yeah. been in hell, the yeah. hell was that. What I happened to me? Eventually, uh, unbelievably, a, a miracle happened and uh, President Kennedy uh, paid that ransom and uh, in baby food and medicine, and some in cash, and we were released uh, on Christmas day, 1962. Wow. I would always be grateful to Kennedy for releasing us. Also, Kennedy changed completely once he was humiliated with the defeat of the Bay of Pigs. His brother, Attorney General Robert Kennedy said, the biggest enemy we have, uh, told his brother, is Cuba. It's not Laos, it's not Vietnam, it's Cuba. They're going to put missiles in Cuba. We need to get rid of Castro, and then they try unsuccessfully with the CIA to assassinate Castro. Every plot failed; nothing would work. And uh, but they did try, and President Kennedy lost his life. Uh, in my book that I have, I talk about the Kennedy assassination, who who murdered the president, the crime of the century. Well, it was clear that Castro involved in the murdering of the president, the U.S. mafia as well, and maybe globalists of the new world order because Kennedy has said publicly, before I abandon this high office, I'm going to expose all these secret societies that are so harmful to America. He was referring, of course, to the Council of Foreign Relations and others like that. And also he said, I'm going to print bills back by silver. And mm-hmm. that went against so the people that stole America in December of 1913, and they've been printing money out of thin air in reaching, uh, well, the ones that did that were the Rothschilds from Europe, Warburgs from uh, uh, Germany and uh, and the Netherlands, uh, Kuhn and Lowell and Morgan and Rockefeller, the original Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan. And they stole the United States and they violated the constitution because article one, section eight of the U.S. Constitution says the Congress of the United States should print the currency and determine the value of the ROs. So how can you take away from Congress that and give it to a banking cartel of Europeans and Americans? It was a violation of the Constitution. And to this day, we have never had an audit of the Federal Reserve, even though many people have asked for it, never.
0: Well, we may be uh, to a point where that's gonna have to be done here. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next year or so, but it's we're in some very interesting times. Um, And it goes back to what you experienced 70, 80 years, 70 years ago, 60 years ago. So thank you for your time. Is there anything else you want our audience to know about the the whole situation?
1: Well, that uh, what's happening in the United States today is where it reminds me what's going on in Cuba. Yeah. and We need to fight communism. We need to vote massively for Donald Trump or whoever the Republican is and hope they don't steal this election. There'll be a clean election. Uh, yeah to do that or and they also monitor the election, become become poll watchers, become uh work in the election system, make sure they don't cheat in the election. Because if we if we don't stop this in November or there's no place to go. Reagan said yeah. it. If, if we lose if we lose here, where are we gonna go? At least right. we had the United States, those of that were Cuba, but if, if communism comes to America, the whole world becomes communist. And we need to be very involved and fight communism all the way here in America.
0: Where can people find your books? I know you've written several.
1: Yes, I've written several books. Uh, they can find them in uh, Amazon Books. I'll show you another book that I did, very important book, which I have here. The New World Order that is America and the world. I used uh, 29 books to write this one. Uh, they, you put my name there. You go Amazon Books and you put my name. Frank Devarona. is missing an A there. B-A-R-O-N-A, and then it'll take you directly to where all my books are. They They sell quite cheaply, $25, 400 pages book, full of pictures. My books are full of pictures and maps and so forth. And you can buy any of my books there. And if you do, thank you for buying them. And thank you for the interview Todd. Appreciate it. Yes,
0: yes. This is going to, people are going to be very interested in this. Thank you for your time. And uh, maybe we'll have you back down the road. Thank you very much.
1: Anytime. Bye-bye. Okay.
0: Take care.